want to remind you that we're on a spiritual journey. We always are, because God is, is not a stagnant God. He's moving us somewhere. And that journey, the last two weeks, has been focused on deepening our experience with Sabbath. And we're going to be doing this, this series, this journey, for two more weeks. So that means we're right in the middle. So being that we're in the middle of this, I want to just recap and see where we've been. This, this journey is called a Sabbath worth keeping because Jesus said it so profoundly when he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That means that this thing we call Sabbath, this day that we're observing now in the spiritual practice of Sabbath, that was made for you. And I love good things given to me. I like a gift. And if you can imagine, you know, if after the service I walked up and I, and I was smiling and said, hey, I have something for you, you might get excited. If your very rich and generous aunt called you on the phone and said, hey, I have something for you, you'd get probably more excited. And if the God of the universe says, I've created something for you, we should be very, very excited about that. And the Sabbath is made for us, so that we would have a, a blessing. It's a gift from heaven. Sabbath is made for man. It's not just a command. It is a command. Uh, as we were reminded in the children's story, one of the Ten Commandments is the observance of the seventh day as the Sabbath. But not just a command, it is also a spiritual practice. Just like we have spiritual disciplines of Bible study and prayer, Observing the Sabbath is a spiritual practice. Actually, it's like a cluster of spiritual practices. So in this journey, we're highlighting five practices that I see in Scripture that help us to Sabbath. And one of those was rest. So my clicker's not clicking, um, but maybe it will now. So one of those is rest. God has invited us to practice the Sabbath by resting in him. And that was when we focused on this concept of taking a deep breath. We exhale all through the week. We take a deep breath, and God wants us to actually pause from our work. It's a very serious thing in Scripture. Cease your labor, and not just cease your labor to do nothing, but rest in Christ. So one of the ways you can Sabbath today, just take a break. Rest from all those things and rest in Christ. And then we talked about trust as a spiritual practice of Sabbath because God is the one who's providing all throughout the week and he's preserving that during our rest time. We are trusting God with this day, knowing that he can do more with six than we can do with seven. And today, oh, as, and as we think about trust, we think about the opportunity. Like We have an opportunity to exercise belief in the wisdom of God. You know better than me. I'm going to trust that your pattern and your rhythm are good. So you come to Hebrews. and talks about our Sabbath rest. It says, there remains a Sabbath rest for God's people. And I was reading that again this week. And it says, and some will not enter it because of their unbelief. You know, unbelief is another word for not trusting, right? So there's this gift. And some do not enter it because they just don't trust God. That he actually has something special for them if we will choose to pattern our life the way he's called us to do. So trust is, is a prerequisite of rest. as how we enter into rest. We trust God. So we are practicing that. And a third spiritual practice that we see in the Sabbath 
is that we worship. This is a, a central way in Scripture that we observe the Sabbath is to worship on the Sabbath. So worship is this very broad concept. It's not just coming to church or singing or having a certain time. It is giving God glory. It's exalting God. Every breath can be worship. Every action can be worship. Our service to others can be worship. It's anything that exalts the worth of God. So being that it's such a broad, amazing topic, it's, it's hard to exhaust, exhaustively cover. But we're going to attempt today to think about how Sabbath could tune our hearts to, to live the rest of our life more around worship. So let's pray as we get into this spiritual discipline. Father, I ask that you open our hearts up to see how good you are, even in this sermon time, and that you'd make us excited to express praise to you and to enjoy you through acts of worship and in a special way on the Sabbath day. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've I've been an American every day of my life. But on the 4th of July, I feel that national heritage. Do you feel it too? A little bit more. You're thinking about freedom on that day. You're thinking about all the good things that you enjoy every other day of the year. And, um, you know, my mom and dad have been my mom and dad every single day of my life. But on Mother's Day and on Father's Day, there's a special emphasis of how special they are. Um, St. Patrick, he has a great story. You know the story of St. Patrick? But if it wasn't for all those days going to school wearing green, I probably wouldn't have St. Patrick as like a top-of-my-mind reference from history. Because it's holidays, that's what holidays do. They take something that is special or significant all the time, and they dedicate a day to celebrating that thing. And the hope is that that day, that celebration of, Freedom as a nation on 4th of July helps you appreciate that throughout the whole year. And Sabbath is the original holiday. Like, it's the day that God said this is a holy day. It's the original holiday. So the things we experience on Sabbath, we should experience those every day. Worship is an every single day thing. But when we think of it as a holiday, we are setting apart a day to make extra special focus on those things that are at the core of who we are as God's creatures. And worship is one of those. We are made for a relationship with God, and everything we do in a proper relationship with God is, is worship, because we're recognizing who he is. So very core to my existence is worshiping God, and there's this holiday where it is an extra focus, and it is right now, it is today, so we're going to focus on worship in a couple ways. One is that when we go through Scripture, we see worship done. I got ahead of myself here. I'll come back. Can we come back to that thought? Okay. Worship. We're going to come back to that thought. I forgot to mention a few of the things on this journey. If you want to make it a journey, not just a sermon, there are ways you can engage. So go out to our Tell Me More wall, and people are sharing things they've been doing on the Sabbath or ways they've been finding the Sabbath meaningful. You could write something there, and I've read through these. These are fun ways for us to share, not just me share. So go on out there and check out the Tell Me More wall. There are some books. If you didn't get a book, we ran out the first week, and 
Jackson Arndt, I want to just thank you. He wanted to help out, and he actually helped me, helped with his parents make the rest of these books because I was a little too busy. So you can pick up more books. They're out there on, on the Tell Me More wall, and you could go online. So uh, the little, you see the symbol there? That's at PastorRyanRogers.com, and you can find the whole series. You can find the audio or the video or the study guide right there. So there's ways you can connect and make this a journey. Another way I'd love to make this a journey, and I'd love to hear from you on resources, maybe a book, maybe a sermon, maybe something you have discovered that's helped you understand the Sabbath better. So I'll share one that I came across this week when I was preparing a few months ago for this series. I listened to a sermon by Robert Morris, and it was really good, and he mentioned that he wrote a book. But I didn't find that book until this week. I was looking through Ministry Magazine, and someone did a book review on this book. So I downloaded it on Audible, and I highly, highly recommend Take the Day Off. So Robert Morris is not a Seventh-day Adventist. He's a pastor of a very big church called Gateway Church in Texas. And what I'm hearing when I just listen to non-Adventists speak is that there is a wave of of excitement about Sabbath-keeping outside of our church. Isn't that good news? God's Spirit is not restricted to right here. And I find when I listen to their telling about Sabbath, it has a different flavor than what I've heard about telling about Sabbath my whole life because these are people who didn't grow up with a tradition. They found a blessing. So there are conclusions he comes to that I don't fully agree with, like that he doesn't feel that it does any good to, to choose a day. Just choose any day, you know? Well, I think God gave us a day, right? But he talks about how he wants to keep the Sabbath, and I was so blessed. I was also a little ticked off because so many of the points that I came up with that I thought were good, he says, and he says them better. So if you want to go deeper in the stuff we've been covering, I think you should read this book. And I just kept reading thinking, that was my thought, and you had it first. So it's an excellent book. And here's the, the sentence that caught me. I think it was in the introduction or right at the very beginning, he described his ministry and the burnout that he pushed himself to, you know, just going, going, going. And uh, he said the Sabbath was the biblical, um, he said the Sabbath was the biblical cure that saved me. That's a powerful statement. So this is coming from a non-Adventist pastor who pushed him to burnout, and he said, Sabbath was the biblical cure that saved me. Like, he believes he would not be alive today if he did not find the biblical cure of resting on the Sabbath. So I recommend that book to go deeper, and all truth is God's truth, so I'll just not be so possessive of it. He has great ideas, and, um, and I'm glad he thought of them. And so now we are going into Sabbath as worship and worshiping in a special way. So when you find the Sabbath come up as worship, we find that there were specific offerings the Israelites were to give on the Sabbath day. And that's in Numbers 28. We have it outlined here. These are the daily offerings, verse 3 through 8. Do this every day because worship is an everyday thing. But on the Sabbath... There's a special way. So verse 9 and 10 say, On the Sabbath day, two male lambs, a year old without blemish, and two tenths of an ephah of flour 
for a grain offering mixed with oil and its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, besides the regular burnt offerings and its drink offerings. So we have a biblical precedence really early in the Bible for daily worship and special worship on the Sabbath. And that should be a pattern we follow. There should be daily worship and extra special worship on the Sabbath. So as we reflect, I wonder what you do in your home, what you do in your life to make worship, not just maybe even separate the concept of coming to church, but just worship, telling God how great he is. How do you make that special on the Sabbath? So I'm thinking back to special things in my life, and I need to describe to you what 4th of July was like. I referenced it. But for me, growing up, 4th of July was a very big deal, uh, mostly because of my mom. She just loves 4th of July. So we would, we had most every 4th of July, maybe there's one or two growing up that I don't remember doing this, but our tradition on 4th of July was to go to Long Beach, Washington. See, I have an aunt who has an aunt whose name was Margie. So we would go to Aunt Margie's house, and Aunt Margie lived in Lo- just outside of Long Beach, and she had a mobile home on a double lot. So it was big enough that we would come with our friends and cousins and family, and we'd fill that double lot with trailers and tents, and ours would be decorated with red, white, and blue flags and banners, and we'd usually have a, a new red, white, and blue t-shirt, and we'd eat tons of food, often on red, white, and blue plates, and we'd go out and get sandy and dirty and sunburned and dig holes, and it was the most amazing time for a kid. And then we'd go down into Long Beach. If you've ever been there, there's all, there was all kinds of exciting things we'd do. Sometimes we'd visit Jake the Alligator Man at Marsh's Free Museum, or we'd go to the hat shop where they had just every kind of hat you can imagine. We'd go to Cottage Bakery, and I'd get a, like a plate full of a Texas donut. And behind all that, they had these kind of rusty carnival rides. Like you'd sit in this octopus and go in circles, and then you'd have bumper cars, and it was just the most, they're all overpriced, and it's the most amazing time. But on the 4th, the place would fill up. Like, we would drive down, and we'd get closer and closer, and it'd get more crowded, and we'd finally settle for a parking spot. Like, if you're within a quarter mile of the beach approach, you're doing really good. So you'd park in your spot, and then we'd go and wait in the very long line outside of Scooper's ice cream shop. We'd get our ice cream, and then we had our arms loaded, like sleeping bags and chairs. And we'd walk down, and there's this sign that says, World's Longest Beach. And you'd walk along the sidewalk, and it'd just get sandier as you got closer to the beach approach. And then there's these, these uh, pieces, blades of grass, and they're so pokey, and they'd hit your legs. And I remember feeling all these things as a kid. And then you'd get on the boardwalk. So what we'd do is we'd walk down the boardwalk, we'd turn south along the beach, and we just look in the dunes for a place that was big enough to fit all 35 of us, and we'd hop off the boardwalk, and we'd set up our stuff, and then we'd just watch as people blew up their money in fireworks, you know, just the whole beach is full of people, and it's not dark yet, and they're blasting off their fireworks, and also doing kites, which seems like a bad combination, you know, and so they're the kites are dodging the fireworks, and it's just noisy, and there's music, and then all of a sudden, at the right time, as the sun goes behind the Pacific Ocean, not really behind it, but it goes down, and 
there'd be the big boom. So for the next 45 minutes, people would slowly die down their individual fireworks, and we'd look up, and my mom would pass out sunglasses because the shrapnel would hit your eyes, and then she'd p- pass out earplugs, and we'd just lay there and watch the fireworks. And we'd lay there a little after them, and big, huge display, and we'd get back on the boardwalk, and we'd find our car, and then it took forever to get out, but we knew some shortcuts, and we'd go down by the cranberry fields that, and go back the back way, and then we'd crawl into bed, either a tent or a trailer, and again, you're covered in sand, you're sunburned, you're sweaty, you're filled with sugar, it's 11 o'clock at night, and you'd lay there listening to continued explosions just all through the night, and I can still imagine laying there just thinking how special that all felt. Like, it was just so, so foundational in my little childhood brain, this wonderful tradition where everyone was just celebrating and happy. And I think about that and I think, how could I even replicate that? It was so big to me. Do you have any of those things in your childhood? It was so big to me that I think about me as a parent and and my children. I think, is there anything I do that feels that special? And I think that's, that's what I'm trying to get at with Sabbath is by the Holy Spirit's creativity in our lives, I think there's ways that we could approach Sabbath that has those same emotions going on inside of us. Like we feel that special and that excited and, and just those meaningful traditions come to life in our home and in our church. And I even have gone a little farther in my imagination to just imagine the Palmer Seventh-day Adventist Church. What if those same emotions I feel about imagining going to scoopers and seeing these fireworks and just how safe I felt with my family and the tradition. What if that's what our kids feel at Sabbath school? Like, what if that's what they feel when they come into this place and they, they see their friends? That it's not just worship, but it's set apart in a special, meaningful way that actually, like, shapes our lives. I think that's what God's after. We should worship him every day, and Sabbath is a day for us to let God be so creative in our lives that it makes a lasting impact that this day was a connection with God that you just can't duplicate. It was so special. So what could you do to make your Sabbath worship experience special in your home? And maybe even think in ways that that one day, the worship of that one day, would make worship more a part of your life every other day. So I think that's a principle we see in, about the Sabbath and worship is extra special. Worship every day, make it extra special. We also see the principle of worshiping with others. Now, keeping the Sabbath is not equated to attending church. I think it's a wonderful way to keep the Sabbath. But the commandment does not say, remember the Sabbath day by going to church. But Scripture does present a long and rich history of corporate worship on the Sabbath day. So we're just going to take a quick journey through some of that history. I think as I read the Bible, God wants me to know that this day is a day for me to gather with people and worship. So we're not out of line by having a, our biggest gathering on a Sabbath day. I think it's very much in line with the commandment. And we see that right Right at the beginning of the, of the appointing of the Sabbath, 
Leviticus 23 outlines all these appointed feasts of the Lord, and one of them is a weekly Sabbath. And during the weekly Sabbath, when it's appointed, it says, six days work shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. So some translations will say a sacred assembly. Convocation and assembly are gathering words. You can't have a holy convocation without getting together, right? Though the expectation is that there is a group of people meeting for worship, and you shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So right from, from Leviticus 23, we already see language of gathering for worship. The center place of worship, this beautiful temple, Solomon built this beautiful temple. There was, before that, a tabernacle that moved, and it was a center place of worship. But then this big, wonderful temple in Jerusalem was the center place of worship. But we know the story of Daniel. So just shy of 600 years before Christ was on earth, Daniel and his friends were taken captive, and Nebuchadnezzar and his army, well, they destroyed Jerusalem and that temple. So archaeologists have found evidence of what we call synagogue shortly after that time because there, were, there was a center place of worship in Jerusalem, but then the place was gone. So imagine if one day we don't have this building. We need to be prepared to have house church, all right? We need to be prepared to keep worshiping God. So what, the, what happened in the Jewish culture is they started gathering in smaller places, and eventually they had these various local synagogues where they would gather for worship. So the word synagogue literally means, so soon together, and again, bring. So it literally means bring together or assembly. This is, this is what a Sabbath worship place is, is a bringing together, an assembling together. And when we come to the New Testament, we find a, a very, a weekly pattern. It is just a solid weekly pattern of gathering for worship on the Sabbath. And if you read these verses below, um, you'll find several elements that you just see repeated in the New Testament. They gathered for regular reading. It'll say things like, and they read from the scriptures every week. So regular reading from the scriptures. So that's an act of worship. And religious discussion and teaching. Jesus stood to teach in the synagogue. So we find from, from Leviticus all the way through New Testament times that Sabbath has a special, is a special time for gathering for worship. So worship with others. In Hebrews, we come to the reminder to not forsake meeting together. This also is not just about church attendance. We should gather outside of church. We should encourage each other. But here's what it says in Hebrews. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So Sabbath gathering has always been important. As the day draws near of the second coming of Christ, it's not that Sabbath becomes more important, it's that the, the need for spiritual connection becomes less, or the opportunity for spiritual connection becomes less common. And we're going to need it more and more. And we're seeing that even through COVID, just this tendency to not gather, to not connect, to not have those meaningful spiritual points of connection. So as we get closer to the second coming of Christ, 
I think what it's arguing is we need corporate worship more and more because life is going to get harder and harder. We need people. And it might not look for you, if you're watching online, maybe this is not what you're ready for, but there are ways that we can include other believers in our Sabbath worship experience. Like joining after the service, there's a Zoom fellowship, and you'll see it as you walk out. For those online, you can join there. Bring others into your Sabbath experience. And this is the verse that was read for us. I just want to think about the implications of eternity in the Sabbath. This is Isaiah 66. I'm going to start back in verse 22. It says, As for the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offering and your name remain. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And I just want to highlight these words. Those are gathering words. So, they, it's not that all flesh worships. All flesh comes to worship. There is an eternal gathering that we get to look forward to on Sabbath days. Not just private worship, which is so beautiful and necessary. There is a coming to worship that we get to look forward to for eternity. So as you reflect, just reflect on how you could make worship private and corporate, a richer part of your Sabbath experience. And even, this would be a great conversation to have with, with others, how has your corporate worship experience been negative or positive? And with what we're trying to do in the Palmer Seventh-day Adventist Church, you don't just have to keep those feelings to yourself. If there's something about your Sabbath worship going to church experience that's negative— Rather than keeping those to yourself, we would just love if you talked to someone on the worship team or got engaged to make our corporate worship experience better because this is a very special thing. We want to do it in a way that honors God. So worshiping with others, and then finally, this is the last, last point here. Worship God for anything because he deserves worship for everything he does, right? But there, is, there are two specific ways that Sabbath is... Um, focusing on God. And we get this from the commandments in Deuteronomy and Exodus, and that is to worship God as creator and as savior. So commandments are given twice, and when they're given, the fourth commandment has a different reason in each list. And uh, talking with Dr. Oliver, he has great insights about these things, and, and he said, which one do you think it was? Do you think it was creator, and they messed up and put... Uh, uh, as Savior, or was it Savior? And he suggested, it was, what if it's both? What if God with, wrote with his finger both, and they just reflected different reasons for different times in their history? So I think God gave these reasons as dual reasons. Here is what you worship God for on the Sabbath. He's your creator, and he is your Savior. So we're going to read these two. This is Exodus twenty eleven. It says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So after the Sabbath commandment, what comes before this from verse 8 on is, observe the Sabbath, and it says, because God made all of this in six days and rested on the seventh. So every Sabbath is a memorial to creation. And I just want you to think about worship not as just some formal thing, 
But worship is your heart celebrating who God is. And this morning I went for a walk, and I thought about this point. It just went over in my head, and I just praised God. He created me. <laughs> he created my legs. He created my family. He, he gave me three daughters. He gave me a wife. He created that mountain I was looking at over there. And it doesn't take long for your heart to start to soar when you look around at every good thing and say, God, I worship you because you created that thing. You are creator. I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't exist. I wouldn't have a thought if you didn't choose to make me. And it doesn't take long for me to have a meaningful experience with my God when I acknowledge him as creator. I can do it every day. Sabbath is a special day to remember God is your creator. He made you. Worship him for that. Tell him how much you love him for doing all these things that you enjoy and giving you life. And then in Deuteronomy, it has a different reason, different motivation for worship. It says, you should remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Every Sabbath is a celebration of freedom. Freedom in Christ. Every, every Sabbath is a reminder that you and I were once slaves. And when you're a slave, you know, when they were slaves, their master was Pharaoh. When they were free, their master was God. And God said, I have new laws for you. And he wrote them down. And one of them was keep the Sabbath holy. God was saying, now I am ordering your life. I don't know much about their schedule when they're in Egypt, but I don't think Pharaoh gave them the seventh day off. He set their schedule. He said, this is when you work and you don't rest much. And then God says, now I'm your master. You're free from that. And this is how I'm ordering your life. And every single one of us has something that God has set us free from. You know, today is a day to celebrate that freedom. Today's a day to look back on your life and see the places you were and to praise God that you're not in the bondage of that sin anymore. And maybe if you're not seeing any freedom in your past, today's a day to pursue that freedom because we're celebrating, we're worshiping a God who takes people out of Egypt and parts the Red Sea and leads them to a promised land. Sabbath is a day for us to celebrate and pursue freedom in Christ, which means that at some point on the Sabbath, you should have a smile on your face and an outburst of joy saying, praise God, I'm free. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. And it should be a practice. It should be a practice of our Sabbath. At some point in our Sabbath, we should be able to celebrate the freedom we have in Jesus. And then, I want you to reflect on those things for yourself. How, how do you order your Sabbath in a way that highlights God as a Redeemer, highlights God as your Creator? I think these are pillars of our worship that we can bring into our Sabbath experience. And then, as we close each one of these sermons, I want to encourage you to consider rhythms and rituals that you can put into your life or continue in your life. Uh, at prayer meeting on Wednesday night, we've been going through this exact study, and I heard some, some new commitments to Friday night that people were making to make Sabbath special. Maybe there's a way that worshiping in a special way or worshiping with others, or worshiping God as creator, or worshiping God as redeemer, that you could actually take from this experience and say, I want to do this with my Sabbath experience to bring worship to the center of it. 
So think about rhythms and rituals you can include in your life. And then we're going to continue. Sermon's done. We're going to continue observing and worshiping on a Sabbath day for the next whole bunch of hours now. We have the opportunity to live a life, like to go from this place, you get in your car, you go wherever you're going to go, and to have a worship encounter with God on an extra special day of worship. So as we close and we reflect on these things, Bryce is going to come on up. Come on up here, Bryce. He's going to lead us in some musical worship, and then Tom is going to close us out in a benediction.